1: She's weird and wonderful. Oh, Betty, she's a podcast queen. She's wearing high-heel shoes. Got her wings on, too.
2: Hello, and welcome to Betty in the Sky with a Suitcase. I'm Betty. I'm a flight attendant for a major airline, and I bring you stories from the airplane, from the flight attendants and the pilots, and from traveling around the world. In this episode, we have stories about stray wee wees, breastfeeding, wagon trains, ghosts, and gargoyles. The music for this episode I recorded in an old church in Tubingen, Germany, and uh, I happened to walk into this pretty old church and I'm not sure if it was organ practice or they were auditioning a new organist, but it was just me in an old church with organ music. Let's get on with the show. Two episodes ago, I was talking about how I was at the airport hours and hours and hours for work and i'm sitting next to another girl and she casually mentioned that she wanted to invest in the stock market in pot and my little brain went ding 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 i said ooh ooh, ooh. <laughs> i want to invest in pot <laughs> so i sat there at the company computer for like 3 4 hours googling cannabis, marijuana, investing in marijuana. And I was joking with everyone around saying, I bet you I'm going to get drug tested. You know, all companies monitor employees on company computers. And I'm sure there are certain buzzwords, um, you know, they're looking for certain things, you know, illegal things and pornography, (laughs) drugs. And I was sure that I was going to be setting off some buzzer somewhere. And I was surprised the next few trips that I didn't get drug tested. Well, you know, it's a big company. There's, I don't even know how many thousands and thousands and thousands of employees. So maybe it takes them a little longer. But sure enough, on my last London trip, I get the message in the cockpit that I'm getting drug tested. And the curious part is that it was just me. And in general, when you get drug tested on an international trip, because they have to send who we affectionately call Mr. Peabody or Mrs. Peabody. I know it's um, juvenile since they're asking us to pee for them, but that's what we call them, Mr. Peabody. In general, when they send Mr. Peabody, because he's got to come all the way to the international concourse, you know, waiting for us to come out of customs, just in an effort of efficiency, they usually drug test two or three crew members, you know, to save Mr. Peabody extra trips. (laughs) But not in this case. Nope, just me. Just moi. Because I'm sure that nobody else on my crew had been Googling (laughs) marijuana and cannabis for hours on the company computer. So you know what? It's just what I get. But at least, hey, I I was expecting it. Because there was a lady on the airplane
0: babe breastfeeding her kitten. I said, what the hell are you talking about? He goes, yeah. He goes, she had the people were ringing her call button and he goes, I went up there and I said, what's going on? And they go, look at her, she's breastfeeding his cat. And he goes, oh ma'am, you can't do that. She goes, oh, he's hungry. And so he says, I've got to go call the flight attendant in charge. I'm not playing this game. <laughs> she went up there, he went up there and, he, and she told him, she goes, oh, well, you got to, we can't do that. And he goes, he was standing to the side, flight attendant came back and said, you cannot breastfeed your, your cat on the airplane. And, because he had to write all this up and he, and she, she says, oh, it's my baby. He goes, that ain't no damn, baby. That's a kitty cat. <laughs> I thought I was going to die. The way he talks. Because he, cause he, uh, he, no, he goes, That's, no, no. that ain't no damn, baby. That's a kitty cat. You need to put that thing away.
2: <laughs> so I was just flying with a girl who does a lot of traveling. And um, I know that you guys probably think that we all do a lot of traveling. But it's not the case. And y- you start to get to know the other wanderers and uh, I've flown with her before and I asked her oh so where are you going next and uh, she said she was going on African safari in Kenya and I was saying oh I'm jealous you know there's really nothing better than an African safari and we were just chatting and lots of times I just try to think up something you know that might be useful to someone and I said oh oh oh, um when you're staying in like a uh safari tent camp or or a lodge i said uh don't be surprised because i <laughs> i literally screamed <laughs> i had no idea you know you're on you're on safari You're you know you're 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 looking for exotic animals you know you're in like animal mode and you're in a tent and i went to get in my bed in my tent and there was something in it, something hot, and I—I I thought it was an animal. I screamed. I jumped out of bed, <laughs> and then I realized they—they're they're being so civilized and so so welcoming that they put a hot water bottle in your bed before you go to bed to warm up the bed at night. And how nice is that? But you know, when you're not expecting, you don't expect something hot. <laughs> temperature in your bed and she was like oh i'm glad you told me that i i probably would have screamed too
0: i'm new orleans very young three (laughs) months really cute And there's this red-headed guy in the back he got on. He had long red hair. He had a big old bushy beard, tank top, cut off shorts. We're doing our beverage cart. We go to the back. I look over there. He had his dick laid out on the tray table. Uh Uh-uh. Oh, yes, he did. I looked at the other flight attendant. We both left. She went one way. I went to the front. We left the beverage cart sitting right there. And I told the flight attendant in charge, I said, there's a man back there um, with his his wee-wee hang on the tray table. She goes, well, you need to go tell him to put it back in. I went, um, and she goes, you're the most junior girl. Go tell him to put back in. So I looked over there, and he's all strung out off of Barbers Street. I looked at him. I said, sir, you need to put that away. He goes, oh, oh, okay. He fumbles and tries to stick it back in his pants. He goes, I need some help. I said, that's not for me. That's for that flight attendant back there.
2: This next story I've had for quite a few months, but I wasn't quite sure what to do with it until I got a email from a new listener named Kathy. And uh, she sent me a clip of Louis C.K. on Conan. You know, I actually didn't, I wasn't that familiar with Louis C.K., but this clip is hilarious. And it goes really well with this other story because they both sort of remind us how we tend to focus on the inconvenience of air travel, but if you really think about it, air travel is actually like the ultimate convenience, especially if you consider air travel as compared to other forms of transportation, like buses or wagon trains. It
3: was a trip for me from Paris to New York, and so I was in business class, and uh, everything was fine. On the 11th. Everything was fine and everything, and then suddenly, about halfway, I would say, about over Greenland or something like that, we did an 180-degree turn, and then I thought, "Whoa, what's going on?" We how ha- we
2: notice, you know?
3: Yeah, but you know, you have to put back you, yourself back, like, okay, you, this is you have no idea, right, no. and so then I'm thinking well, what's going on? And so about five minutes later, which seems very long, uh, the cockpit crew said, uh, for unforeseen circumstances in the United States, we have to go back to Paris. And so there was other friends of mine who were as well in the cabin. And uh, I looked at them and and I thought, well, it's either maybe a bomb or there's something that that was my first thought really a bomb other than that thinking well something really happened in the united states but it's like what can be so bad you know and so i started looking really closely at the at the front at the working crew to see if they seemed nervous if they were taking any books or whatever so they were not everything was like smooth and everything and they would keep keep on serving and then they closed the curtains in first class to allow one of the pilot to kind of go under in the belly so then i thought well maybe we have a mechanical problem it's like electrical as well so anyway to make a long story short basically here we are back in paris and now it's 6 p.m in paris we had left at 10 in the morning it's 6 p.m. in Paris, and oh, uh, oh, and also when the gu- the the cockpit said that made an announcement, nothing was working as far as we used to have those phones on board, oh you yeah. know, and everything. And did no, they, they? no electric e- electronic devices was work were working anymore after that. Oh. So then we. Uh, Again, in our mind, I thought, okay, either a bomb or electrical, so no news whatsoever after that, and we couldn't communicate with anyone. Only when we got to Paris, they opened the door and then they said, this flight is canceled. So again, we have no clue what happened. Only because one guy in first class called his wife on his cell phone and his wife said, you cannot believe what's happening in the United States. You know, the towers have exploded in New York, da 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 da. So we all know what happened. So my first thought was like, I need to get out of here ASAP, since I was on standby. And then I thought I will never be able to. You know, my first thought was Canada because I have family there, but the skies were already closed. And, uh, then I look on the board, the next thing was like Africa, Japan, and the next day was like St. Martin Island or Mexico City. So then I thought, okay... Do you drink? go to Mexico? I ended up going to Mexico City I to Mexico. because <laughs> I figured at least it's land, it's close to the States. I okay, could drive. I could drive. Uh, that, that was my thought. So, I bought a one-way ticket, eleven hundred, no, $1,400 on another company so I could make this flight. But that, this whole shebang took me three hours to buy the ticket because... And that
2: same day, you didn't leave the airport.
3: And I didn't leave the airport that same day. But uh, I, I, I had spoken to my companion and he said, You need to get out of Europe. You never know what can happen now in Europe. You're gonna have as well all the diplomats trying to get out. Anyway, so I'm surprised
2: you could get to Mexico.
3: Oh wait, <laughs> the next day, the next day here I am again at the airport, and I'm going for Mexico City, and I recognize some of the other first-class passengers who were there, and they did the same thing. And so at that point, even them, you know, no cars could be found in the United States to rent, to to rent or anything like that. But one of the gentlemen had offered me to to go to Phoenix, Arizona, because his wife was going to meet him at the border and they could, you know, I could go there. But in my mind, it was like, okay, just go one step at a time and just go forward. So anyway, I took that long flight, 14 hours to Mexico City. I arrived there late at night and then I got the hotel that was inside the airport. And then right there, there was a travel agent that could help me out to see how I could get closer to the border. Because from Mexico to, it it was basically Laredo, Texas. So that's why I had to go. So I took Air Mexico or or whatever, another airline, Mexicana. Mexicana, Yeah. Yeah. I got to the border. And then when I got to the border, there was about four taxis. And here I'm seeing that last taxi is going out with one guy in it. And I figure I'm not gonna miss that taxi because he's the one going through the border. Right. All right, so I knocked on the, on the taxi. He already had a passenger, right? Yeah, he already had a passenger, but I figured this guy is gonna move because I'm going with him. <laughs> so I get in a taxi with him and so this guy is telling me the story. He's going to Indiana. And so he had a car from Indiana because his, his house was Chicago. But anyway, he, he said, I said, well, how are you going to, uh, uh, you know, like go from here to the other? He said, with Greyhound. So I said, oh, well, <laughs> I'll go with you. <laughs> so, so we ended up, we passed the border of Mexico, no problem with the taxi, and we go to the Greyhound bus. And me, I was living in Orlando. And so I said to the girl, well... How much is Orlando, one-way ticket? And she goes, $99. So I go, wow. okay. And I said, when am I going to be there? She goes, four days later. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'm going, okay, four days later, okay, going for it. It so could
2: only cost $99 for four days. Yeah, 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 but
3: it's quite an extraordinary <laughs> four days. No, yeah. listen to that. So, of course, I passed all the border states before I finally ended up to Florida. So this is those are like Greyhound buses like that, that just stop for either do a number 1 I've never seen a, a, any places where there was hot food other than those kind of you know those sausages that they roll over yes, all day yes, long yes, yes. and then you have the grease dripping out of them so that was one of the choice that you could have as a hot I have to also meal. say,
2: you're French, right? So you have high expectations for yeah. food. I guess I didn't pass. The no, semester.
3: no, but I remember it. But quite frankly, every time you would see the shabbiest place in whatever city we would go by, with the sign that was kind of dangling, the sign of the Greyhound bus, it was dangling or just ready to fall. That was the Greyhound station. And that's where you would go in there. Those rolling sausages or you had that food that had been sitting there for like days and then you had vending machines but wait a minute they were behind the counter and then at that lovely counter the hostess that was there was like either a toothless woman you know that had done brush her hair for about five days and she had those checkered uh uh shirt on you know with jeans And she would just about chew tobacco and then ask me, like, you want anything? And it was like, oh, my God. And then it was either like you had to get something to eat or go to the bathroom because that bus driver was like a warden. He would say, 20 minutes, you know. And then you had the third bunch that was smoking. So come to find out that these poor guys couldn't smoke the whole cigarette, all right? So they had cigarette butts every Greyhound station. Oh, so then come to find out that we knew why there was so many hobos waiting for the Greyhound bus because they
2: wanted the cigarettes
3: because they wanted to to get the okay. butts of the cigarettes that were left over. All right. Yes. So this is the this kind the first, of no, first class. This is not quite <laughs> first class. <laughs> it's all the and again we're ro- we're rolling like day and night, day and night, you know, nonstop. It was so disgustingly dirty you know and unbelievably smelly so by that time I was feeling like less than fresh fresh, yeah (laughs) I really needed some French perfume to cover up (laughs) but I still had to go but I finally got to Orlando and it was pouring rain and then I told my companion Okay, let me stand in the rain for about five minutes because <laughs> I am <laughs> really <Shut up>. <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> so, so that was my greyhound experience after uh, September. Know. Yeah, after September 11. People complain to us about,
2: you know, like their TV doesn't work. We should
3: tell them to check out Greyhound. Oh, they should really (laughs) check out Greyhound, especially on the border town. Start in Nuevo Laredo and make your trip to Florida. You will have a great experience. Yeah, don't thank us. If you're allergic to sausages, well, you're tough luck. Back then,
1: yeah. Those were simpler times, I think. I just feel like... We may be going back to that, by the way, but uh, in a way, good, because when I read things like the foundations of capitalism are shattering, I'm like, maybe we need that. Maybe we need some time where we're walking around with a donkey with pots clanging on the sides. You, you know? think that would just bring us back to reality? Yeah, because everything is amazing right now, and nobody's happy. Like, in my lifetime, the changes in the world have been incredible. When I was a kid, we had a rotary phone. We had a phone that you had to stand next to. And you have to dial it. Yes. You don't, you don't realize how primitive... You're making sparks <laughs> in a phone. And you actually would hate people with zeros in their numbers, because it was more... It was right. Like, oh, this guy's got two zeros, screw that guy, why don't I... <laughs> <laughs> and then if you, if they called and you weren't home, the phone would just ring, lonely by itself. And then if you wanted money, you had to go in the bank, for when yes. it was open for like three hours. You stay in line, write yourself a check like an idiot. And then when you run out of money, you just go, well, I can't do any more things now. I, right. I can't do any more That's things. That's it, yeah. That was it. And even, even if you had a credit card, they the guy would go, oh, can he bring out this whole shunk shunk, and he'd write. yeah But you have to call the president to see if you have any money. It's all true, kids. You code. had to call the president, yeah. It was ridiculous. Yes. Do you feel that we now... In the 21st century, we take technology for granted. Well, yeah, because now we live in an, in an amazing, amazing world, and it's wasted on the on the crappiest generation of just spoiled idiots. They don't care because this is what people are like now. They got their phone. They're like, "Ugh, it won't. Give it a second. It... It's going to space. Can you give it a second to get back from space? Is the speed of light On a, I was on an airplane, and there was internet, high-speed internet on the airplane. That's yes. the newest thing that I know exists. And I'm sitting on the plane, and they go, open up your laptop, you can go on the internet. And it's fast, and I'm watching YouTube clips. It's a, I'm in an airplane. And then it breaks down. And they apologize, the internet's not working. The guy next to me goes, this is bullshit." The world owes him something yes. <laughs> he knew existed only ten seconds ago. Right. Right. And on planes. <laughs> flying is the worst one because people come back from flights and they tell you their story. And it's like a horror story. It's they act like their flight was like a cattle car in the 40s in Germany. That's oh, yeah. how bad they make it sound. Right. They're like, it was the worst day of my life. <laughs> First of all, we didn't board for 20 minutes. And then we get on the plane and they made us sit there on the runway for 40 minutes. We had to sit there. Oh, really, what happened next? Did you fly through the air incredibly (laughs) like a bird? Did you partake in the miracle of human flight, you're not contributing zero, but you got to fly? You're flying. It's amazing. (laughs) on every plane should just constantly be going oh my god wow yes your flight you're you're sitting in a chair in the sky yes yeah yeah, yeah now, now but it, doesn't, it doesn't go back a lot <laughs> and it's it really you know here's the thing people like they say there's delays on flights delays yeah. really New York to California in five hours. That used to take 30 years to do that. And a bunch of you would die on the way there and have a baby. You'd be a whole different group of people by the time you got there. <laughs> now you watch a movie and you take a dump in your home. Yeah. That was a nicer way to say it than that, but yeah, it. A- no.
2: To thank you guys who went to my website, bettingthesky.com, when you're going to buy something on Amazon. doesn't cost you anymore, but it sports the show. And uh, I had a particularly good month last month. Uh, somebody bought six app controlled robotic balls. That sounds like fun. I, I didn't even know they had app controlled robotic balls. <laughs> and then somebody else, which I thought was uh, quite apropos for this episode, bought a 14 panel. Drug test kit. Yep. About a lot of 14 panel drug test kit. You know, it's like your very own Mr. Peabody from Amazon. Thanks so much. And here's an interesting airline article for you. I commute in and out of Savannah and I had to go get my parking pass. You don't have to pay pay for parking. It's no big deal, but you got to go pay for it like once a year. And I was in the offices and I noticed they had pictures of graves on the runway. And I was like, "Uh, what, what are those? And, and I noticed there were there were more than one pictures of the graves. And they said, oh, you know, that's the, the graves on the runway. And I was like, the graves on the runway? Because I guess unless you're a pilot, you wouldn't be able to see them. But there's actually graves on the Savannah runway and... Then they started telling me all these ghost stories how they have all these problems with ghosts <laughs> at the savannah airport and i thought that was really kind of uh coincidental since you know savannah's known for its ghosts so the fact that savannah's airport has ghosts i thought was equally interesting and they were so nice they actually gave me this article so it says at peace with the jets graves at the savannah international Air- airport runway a reminder of the land's former use richard Dotson's gravesite site marker reads at rest Nearby, his wife, Catherine, with a marker reading, Gone Home to Rest. These simple, late 19th century messages suggest surviving family members hoped that their forebearers would find rest after spending a lifetime laboring to tame what was, at that time at least, a still pretty wild outskirts of Savannah. At 20,000 feet, though, the Dotson's final resting place looks like a giant cross, the intersecting runways of the Savannah International Airport, since the wartime days of bombers landing at Chatham Field, the airport's first incarnation, through expansions and runway extensions, the Dotsons' family wish to keep their patriarch's markers where they are has yielded a unique and yet curious runway feature. Nearly sixty years ago, the Dotsons' grave sites became a permanent part of the runway. On the runway. And how did this couple get to spend forever at the airport? <laughs> the familiar cemetery contained perhaps a hundred or more graves, including those of many slaves. But with Europe already embroiled in war, the need to keep civilian air traffic separated from an increasing amount of military planes flying into the area led the construction of Chatham Field. Much of the Dotson properties became part of the airport that Dotson's great-grandchildren couldn't bring themselves to move their ancestors off land originally obtained by a king's grant. So even though the federal government had a reputation for paving over what it wants to, the urgency of World War II proved to be an ace card for the Dotson family negotiation. The need for B-24 liberators and B-17 flying fortresses Terrain bombs on Nazi-controlled Europe far outweighed the prospect of wrangling with a reluctant property owners over a cemetery. So Army officials agreed to foot the bill for moving most of the Dotson family cemetery to another cemetery. But Richard and Catherine Dotson, along with the grave sites of John Dotson and Daniel Houston, were left in place. But ever since, the airport staff have honored that arrangement and the family wishes. Since airports typically need large tracts of land that couldn't be found, you know, inside large cities, nearby farmland was commonly used. Moving or working around cemeteries has been a common task for airport officials. But as far as anyone can tell, the airport is the only one with grave markers in the runway. People shouldn't be creeped at this, though, Graham said. When the runway was extended, it was found that really the only the markers were left on the graves. Plus, since the markers are near the runway shoulder, planes don't really roll over the site, just pass it. Still, squeezed in between jet landings and takeoffs makes for an interesting grave site visit for family members. They can't just drop in because they need an airport escort. Leaving flowers on graves really isn't an option. It's really a weird feeling to be out there with those graves. Though family make, members make infrequent visits, the Dotsons are far from being neglected. Sometimes pilots are heard asking the tower control whether those were really grave sites they just passed over on the runway. Other pilots, especially those who haven't been to Savannah before, but have heard the rumors, ask if they could use the runway with the graves just so they could see them so i hear I read all, well, I read all this later, but I was at the Savannah airport looking at the pictures of the graves, asking the people who worked there, and I'm like, "What the heck?" and they're like "Oh yeah, so ever since ever since they've been there, there's been stories about ghosts at the airport and and they said, even the really skeptical people. Can't explain certain things, like certain pieces of equipment, tractors or automobiles or or anything, will turn on without a key being in it. And and there'll be like nobody around, and they'll just turn on. <laughs> and like people new to the airport would be like, what the heck? And they're like, oh, it's the ghosts. <laughs> <You know? laughs> it's just the ghosts. And you know what? <laughs> As they were saying, you know, maybe these people aren't that happy that they're supposed to be at rest <laughs> and they're at the on a runway at the airport. But, you know, if it is some sort of ghost, I think you really can't blame them, you know, for turning on some equipment and scaring some airport workers (laughs) because their gravesites say, you know, at rest, you know, at peace. And I have a feeling most people don't picture at rest or at peace being at the airport.
0: this man he gets up at a business elite and he goes to the bathroom and I'm like sir we're landing and I'm beating on the door beating on the door beating on the door he didn't come out so I finally opened the door and there he is passed out on the toilet with his pants around his ankle I thought oh my god he's dead he is dead I'm like sir sir we're about to land I mean we're skimming I run back to back Paul get up here there's a man dead on the toilet he goes I'm not touching him I said Paul get this man out of the toilet we're landing get the man out of the toilet he went up to me and he went Get up! Get up! <laughs>
3: the man
0: goes... And he had his pants around his ankles trying to get back to the business elite seat. And I'm like, "All oh the crap, all oh the crap." <laughs> we thought he was dead.
2: So we had another big snowstorm. Really long layover in Germany because now you know things change all the time in airline business but now you know when there's a big snowstorm they just proactively cancel flights and you can end up with i ended up with a 95 hour layover (laughs) 95 hours in Stuttgart. uh but you know since i like to travel and i like doing things and exploring it was great i i'd much prefer that than being you know trapped somewhere less interesting or, you know, trapped on a, not being able to get to or from work. So it worked out just fine. So I had this long layover and I just kept taking trains to other little towns near Stuttgart. So I went to Ulm, which was really fun because they had, I like when they have something specific to see and they had the world's tallest steeple, which I climbed all the way up. Boy, that was a lot of steps, but it was really fun to get above the gargoyles. You know, you're not, you're usually looking up at the gargoyles, (laughs) I got to be above the gargoyles, and uh, I really enjoyed that beautiful views from up there. And they also had the world's crookedest house. (laughs) I had to go see the world's crookedest house. And then the next day, I went to Tubingen, Tubingen, and uh, I had gotten a book before I went on this uh, trip because I, I was supposed to have a longer than usual layover. I didn't expect it to be ninety five hours, but I knew I could take a day trip, so I had got a book and I had read that there was an interesting castle. It said a, a turreted, turreted castle. You know, I never use the word turret, but I had. They said it had this beautiful turreted castle in Tubingen. So I took the train to Tubingen, and I get off the train and I, I see this castle the top of the hill. And I'm like, Oh, yeah, it's pretty it's turreted has a flag on top. And, uh, you know, just walked going up and up towards that castle that I saw. And uh, I was trying to get in the castle. Um, I, I, <laughs> I went in the entryway, and there's kids were looking at me funny. And I thought, you know, I don't know. I'm not sure why they're looking at me funny. I don't know. I just I just kind of ignored them. Still looking for a way to get in the castle. And uh, it wasn't a castle. It was a house. <laughs> Kids were looking at me funny because I was trespassing. I didn't know. It. it looked like a castle. It had turrets. No wonder I couldn't find a way in. I could have really made a big mess. Em. I could have made a huge mess. <laughs> Trying to break into these people's house. I said to her. I stopped a student, it's a, it's a um, college town, and I, I stopped somebody and I said, hey, where's the castle? And she pointed, it was a complete other direction. And I said, I thought this, uh, I thought this other place was the castle. And she goes, oh yeah, a lot of the houses look like castles. And I said, well, it had a big flag on it. Yeah, she goes, yeah, people put, put a flag. <laughs> i like, oh my gosh, I just tried to get into somebody's house thinking it was a castle. I did find the real castle. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> it was like an accidental trespasser Accidental castle trespasser. Well, that's about it for this episode of Betty in the Sky with the Suitcase. I hope you'll join me again next time so we can travel around the world together. Thanks. Bye.
1: Signal is strong. Oh, Betty in the sky, have you heard her yet? She loves traveling. There's no doubt. B-b-b-b- Betty and the jets. Oh, she's weird and wonderful. Oh, Betty, she's a podcast queen.